where God have found themselves struggling, uh, where God such were some of us, even as the word says. But Father, we thank you for the sufficiency of grace, Lord God, for young Elijah, Lord God, and for, for this, this young man Ben that was on the streets, and, and even some that may be here tonight, Lord God, just different types of struggles in their life. Father, I thank you tonight, as my brother preacher always says, that you allow new turns. That, Father, you'll trade uh, your righteousness and your victory, Lord God, for our sin and for our defeat if we'll just bring it to you, Lord God. So tonight, as we come before you, uh, we come before you, Lord God, as, as, as people that apart from your grace, apart from your mercy, apart from faith and the finished work of what you did on the cross, Lord God, we have absolutely nothing, Lord God. We have nothing, uh, Lord God, but Christ in us, the hope of glory. So as we come into this place tonight, Lord God, we're humbled. We're humbled, Lord God, that you would want to come, Lord God, that you're mindful of us, that you desire to have fellowship and communion with us. But Lord God, we're, we, we thank you that we are humble, Lord God, but we rejoice, Lord God, greatly, Lord God, that you've chosen, Lord God, to, to extend your, your hand, Lord God, through time, space, circumstance, problems, Lord God, and reach into our lives. Tonight, your hand's not shortened, and your ear, Lord God, is not deafened, but you cannot hear. And if we'll remove, Lord God, through repentance, Lord God, the, those iniquities that have separated us from you, Lord God, you said you stand at the door and knock. And if we just open that door, you'll come in. And so we thank you, Lord God, that you come into our lives, Lord God. You desire to, to make that your dwelling place in power and authority. So as we come tonight, Lord God, before your word, we thank you. It is that lamp to our feet. It's that light to our path, Lord God. It's that, 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 that book of principles, instructions, and truth in the ways of righteousness, Lord God. And we're asking you tonight, Lord God, just to give us a heart and a mind, Lord God, make us like a reservoir to receive of it, Lord God, to, to draw it into ourselves, Lord God, like a wick tonight, Lord God. Lord God, let it burn, let it ignite a passion and a desire for more. And we ask you these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God's good. Amen. Uh, you guys be in prayer this week as well. Uh, as you know, this is, yeah, decadence. It's a uh, it's really an incredible time because it's it's such an opportunity. I remember many many years ago, uh, you know, raised in, in West Texas. Uh, yeah, there was the sin, there was the the, the the type of homosexuality, but it wasn't like it is in some circles. Whether it's like you know Joshua coming from Northern California, the San Francisco area, or even you know downtown St. Anne, Bourbon Street, associated with those things. And so there's a there's a there's a there's almost this barrier I think that was that's created sometime. On quote unquote certain sins, I, I praise God that I don't have that barrier anymore. Right. I've been in those environments for so long that, that I've seen it. I've seen it just for the sin and the and the devil and the bondage that is that's just dressed up in, in something else, so to speak. But every year during a, a Labor Day weekend since I believe 1971, uh, the city has opened its doors to uh, a growing list of uh, decadence and debauchery, and they just. You know, they didn't even uh, pull any punches. They just called it Southern Decadence on this. So at least I appreciate their honesty. But, you know, we've had a tremendous harvest time in that. And I think because we, we really endeavored not to focus on the sin of that, but to focus on the solution of Jesus in the midst of it. They're telling people, listen, let's, let's just skip and cut to the chase. And the problem is that you're lost without Christ. And you can say any way you want to be born. And absolutely, we're all born broken and with a lot of junk in our life. That's why a man must be born again. You may have been born rotten and spoiled by sin, but you can be born again. We just cut to the chase and not, not deal with the sin issue, uh, not deal with the symptom issue, but deal with the sin issue. And I believe we do that. We see a tremendous thing. we got some folks that are coming in from a few places around the country and going to be joining us. So 
stay in prayer and intercession on that if you want to go out with us this uh, week. Uh, I know my, my brother told me the other day, but Steve said, I want to go out on Saturday. I said, how about next week? <laughs> and he said, yes, I'm looking on spot in front of everybody. So. <laughs> so he's there with us. But yeah, it's, it, it is neat. And, and you know what's, what's really neat uh, for me? I, I think about having done it 20-something years ago as a, as a younger guy, but doing it now, and I'm talking to people that are my kids' ages. And I'm talking to people saying, listen, why don't you just avoid some of the pitfalls that we've had to go through because nobody warned us. And, you, and you know, it's, it's a lot easier when you got a little bit of gray in the beard and a little bit of bald in the hair and all these other things like that. It, it does. It gives you an advantage because you're not their peer. And, you know, I still get threatened every once in a while somebody's going to punch me out. Then they look at me and say, why would I want to do that to that old guy? <laughs> and I praise the Lord for that. You still have to bone my chest up. Now I bone my chest up my back hurts. So I don't have to do that Take care of me, Jesus. But yeah, anybody wants to go. It's, it's, it's really a, a neat environment, uh, especially for those that, that have been, you know, have, have been through circumstances and situations in your life. Because you have those experiences that you had that you thought were, were stumbling blocks. God wants to use them as stepping stones and turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children so he can turn the hearts of the children back to the fathers. So you want to join some of those old guys out there and some of these young folks that just keep me going, keep me motivated. I mean, I'd love to have you this week. You can. You can holler at me. Anyway, we're going to continue tonight in our uh, study of the first epistle of uh, John. And we're on what we? 21, says Caprice. Keeps us all click, click in line. So we're going to turn tonight to that second chapter of the epistle of First uh, John. Thank you guys for uh, for being with us. It's just a, uh, sometimes it is kind of a journey through the word, but it's just a uh, really, a, not tedious, I won't use that word, but it's just a deliberate, just a deliberate study in the Word of God that builds a foundation. I've always thought this, I know in my personal studies, where they're really teaching. I think if you if you take the time early in whatever it is, whether it's just studying a, a particular book, if you'll take the time early to really get it down, I use the words you own it after that. Yeah. What I mean is you own it, you'll have something. You can't draw water from a dry well. You can't lead someone somewhere you've never been. And so if you'll take people into the, in the depths and take yourself into the depths of places and take the time really to, 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 to methodically go through things, what you're going to find in certain environments that you need it, maybe not an environment with somebody else, but maybe just personally, you'll find yourself reaching down and therefore with joy when you draw waters from the wells of salvation. You'll extract stuff and you'll say, hey, where did that come? Oh, I remember. It's a time that I just said, listen, I'm not just going to gloss over things and, and read my little promise card prayers and my little thing on the refrigerator and think that I got my little five-minute devotion. I'm good. But man, I want to dive into the depths and let God really build up the foundation. So if we take the time, I believe that it pays off later. As we said all the time, you get into the Word, the Word gets into you. So tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to focus on an important issue. Uh, we got spirit-filled people in here tonight? I'm in the right place. Amen. <laughs> That's good. And some people are like, oh, no, he's setting me up. You've been around me enough for that. <laughs> so we're getting important issue, but it's also an, an issue that I believe is one of the most misunderstood subject matters uh, that he introduces it. And it's very opportune, I believe, in the time in which we live. It's, it's opportune not just historically for them, but really in a contemporary sense for us. I think you'll see it tonight. And so if you want to put a heading on your notes or on the, the edge of your Bible there tonight, what we're going to talk about is out of the 20th verse. It is understanding the unction of and the anointing, understanding the unction and the anointing. I use unction and anointing because us old King James people, we like to use the word unction. Now, people don't walk around talking about unction anymore. So what? You know, <laughs> conjunction, junction, what's your function? You know, 
Well, we're going to have lunch now too much in front of Lunch in the morning, they're two, just two interchangeable words. I just put them both in there, so whichever you prefer. And uh, But I want to back up just a little bit before we get into this understanding the unction and the anointing and look at, at 1 John 2, 18 and 19. We'll read those. We took on them last, last week when we met. And here's what he said, though, because I want to set the tone for why he wanted to bring an understanding of that unction and anointing for them. And I want to bring that to us tonight. He said, little children, it's, it's the last time. You've heard that Antichrist will come. Even now there are many Antichrists, whereby you know that this is the last time. How do we know it's the last time? Many Antichrists. Have you ever seen anything like it? Ever. I mean, we, we had guys come up last night. Uh, it was amazing. I, 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 don't, I can't remember in, in recent memory speaking to so many people from different countries. And they were fouled up. And they were. I mean, just the, the guy from England, the uh, people from various countries. And just and then we had a group come up that were these uh, uh, taught Hebrew Israelism. I don't know if you've heard that. It's a, it's black Hebrews. And they believe that the, the Jews all migrated into the, the Caribbean. And if you're, you're white, sorry, white folks, but you're doomed. You're idiomites and you ain't got no hope. I'm just glad I got some Mexicano on you and some... Y'all don't laugh. I've probably got some somewhere. But it's just that same type of antichrist spirit that's there. Now, before you laugh, some people are Mexican because they have to be. I'm Mexican by choice. Amen? <laughs> but you see just how sinister that stuff comes in, and it's all built around the pigmentation of the skin rather than the condition of someone's heart. But you see all of these things that are coming to proliferation of this stuff out there. So he says they went out from us. Speaking of those that are in the Antichrist spirit, but they were not of us. For had they been of us, they no doubt would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest, or you can see where they come from, that they were not with us at all. And so you'll remember we discussed that there will be a day uh, when the Antichrist figure appears on the scene. We, we believe that, right? You know, and I'm sure a lot of you guys got your, 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 your theories on who that person is going to be. And you see all these things, and people say he's going to be Syrian, and people say he's going to be the president, and, and all these type of things. I'm not really... Uh, uh, particularly uh, concerned myself with, with who he's going to be. I, I, I know I'm not so concerned with the who the Antichrist is because I know who the Christ is. Right. And so whoever he is, you know, uh, more power to him. He's going to serve his purpose, and we're going to move on. And so you see all these things, and we believe that he's going to rise. He's going to have this great global political influence, and he's going to be instrumental in all the events leading up to the fulfillment of all the prophecies in Daniel and the tribulation and God's dealing with Israel and the covenant that he extended with them through through Abraham. All that eschatology, end time stuff. Uh, look up Perry Stone or whoever your favorite end times guy is and you can get into all that. We know he's going to be a shrewd guy. We know he's going to be very influential. We know he's going to broker peace. We know he's going to, he's going to uh, bring a, a covenant that he's going to bail out on three and a half years into it. We know all those things. We know that he's going to put himself up as the Messiah and he's going to uh, demonstrate all these powers, these abilities that are going to come directly from Satan because he's going to be uh, literally a personification of him. We know all that, right? right? But what is going to set the groundwork for that? Because that's going to happen. And we sit here and we know all this stuff. But what's going to set the groundwork for those things to be able to come in and deceive so many people? Because we say to ourselves, I mean, uh, most Christians that have been around the Word, you've been to a prophecy conference, you've read through the book of the Revelation, I mean, maybe you're like a bird dog. I mean, anybody that's got, you know, 
Ronald Wilson Reagan, oh, 666, he must have been the devil. You know, now he's dead, so he can't be him anymore, so now it's got to be somebody else. Well, O-B-A-M-A, -A. oh, no, five letters, I guess, Obama can't. You see how we do? It's like, okay, Prince Charles, I saw his coat of arms, and it had something, and he really didn't like Prince, Princess Diana, so he had no regard for women. I mean, I've heard it all. And so we're bird dogs, and so, you know, we're going to be looking for anybody. Uh-oh, he's got a limp, he's got this and that, you know. Oh, yeah, his hair's turned into a six. I bet if he tripled that, he's 666. He's got it on his forehead. It's, it's humorous to a degree, but you know how we are. Conspiracy theories. Did you see that YouTube video and all these types of things? Uh, guys, I got so much more to do than worry about all that stuff. You know, I don't want to get myself, whoever that is, to take care of itself if I take care of myself. And so all these antichrists are going to be out there. They're, they're, they're not going to be represented. All these antichrist spirit are not going to be so singular and so easily identifiable, though. That's the problem. Because when that guy shows up on the scene, the son of perdition, now, there, there's a reason I believe we're taken out of the way, because we point that cat out a mile away. But what about those little ones that sneak up, and they don't look like what we thought they were supposed to look like? Those are the ones that are going to still have some of those same motivating characteristics and those personality types they are going to be very deceiving. And so I want you to look at some of those characteristics real quick before we jump into why we have to have an unction or an anointing. And you'll see in 1 Timothy 4.1, he said the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times, some are going to depart from the faith. They're going to give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. If you're, anybody, if you're like me, you know people who've done that. It's heartbreaking. You know people that burned hot for the gospel. And you, just, you had an expectation, really, you know, for them. And you thought, man, God's going to do some neat stuff in their life. I, I know guys that were my age coming up. And, man, I, I looked, they were, some were my age, some were younger, but I looked up to them because I thought, man, they're doing great. Man, God's giving them a gift. We can go do some great things for the kingdom together. And I think where they're at all these years later, and I'm thinking, what happened? They departed from the faith. You know, they, they, they gave heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of the devil. Here's those characteristics he points at. He says they'll depart from the faith. In other words, it's going to require a departure from just clear and orthodox standards of truth. Don't we see that? Just the basics of the scripture have been so departed from. How on earth, you know, now we can say it from our vantage point. How on earth can somebody think it's okay for a preacher to stand on the pulpit dancing on their money while he's got a Bentley out in the parking lot talking about that that's what God intends? How? I see that, and you know, it, looks, it looks like a carnival act to me. But you know what? There's a lot of people that don't think that, right? There's, there's ones that talk to, they have TV shows. Now, we mentioned this a few weeks ago. What was it? The L.A. Preachers. And these guys have mistresses, and this guy has kids, that are, and, and they're still in the pulpit. How is that okay? It's, 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 it's a carnival act. But somebody along the way has deceived them into thinking that it's okay. And so, you know, we, we, we confront it all the time because we're out in the marketplace so much. We have somebody come by. A girl came by the other day that was bound by, you know, uh, into homosexuality. And she asked me a question, and I gave her the answer. And I said, listen, I'm going to give you the truth. It don't mean I'm mad at you or hate you. You just ask me a question. I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. And she counters with, well, the God that I serve, et cetera, et cetera. And I said, you're exactly right. Because you had to make a God that looks like you. That's what you made. You made a God that looks like you, that acts like you, that compromises like you, that, that that's vile like you, just like 
I used to have that same God. But we have to have a God that draws us to look like him, that he creates us in his image, that we're born again. So we know they're going to depart from the faith. They're going to abandon orthodox standards. It's going to be done through seduction. In other words, you're going to be an attractiveness to it. Now, it's pretty attractive. You know, if anybody ever stayed up late at night and turned the television on and all you do is all these infomercials? It, how many of you have, have, have seen that one where you're thinking, man, I can buy real estate with no money down? <laughs> <laughs> and you wrote the number. Now you never called, okay? Amen. You, you never did. You call? I borrowed it from a friend. You borrowed it from a friend. It hadn't worked, brother, has it? You got it? Yeah, well, you know. Yeah. Okay. Uh -oh. See how they are? You, 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 you wrote down those numbers and you thought, well, maybe I can do that, or or you got motivated by you know uh, one of these other cats on television and all these schemes and stuff because it's, there's an attractiveness to it. It's like, man. Are you tired? I mean, years ago when I was pastoring Texas, I had a couple call me up and say, Pastor, listen. Now, we were in the ghetto. You know, I was raised on the wrong side of town, all that stuff. So we were in the hood. And so, you know, uh, savings in one hand, in one pocket, in our, uh, in our uh, liquid assets in the other. You know, that's how we, that's how we banked, you know, it's from pocket to pocket. And so somebody called me up and said, you know, Pastor, man, we're always, you know, with the church, you know, I know you like to do ministry and reach in the community. You know what? They try to do bait you out there, you know. Think you're swimming around like some perch on the, on the shoreline. It says, you know what, man, there's just something that came to me that's going to really help us. You know, we're feeding 250 at lunchtime, and that's costing us $7,000 a month. Man, what if we could feed 500 and the money would be there for it? Hey, can we, can we come by? i got this guy I want you to talk to. Now, bing, my radar's already popped up. But I said, you know, I'm being nice to these folks. I said, well, come on by. And so they sit down at the table, and, you know, the guy's got that concerned look on his face. You know, Pastor, they've been telling you about the tremendous work that you've been doing. I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just playing right along with him, but I'm thinking, man, I'm going to have to blow this guy up here in a minute. You know, it's amazing. My, tell, me, tell me more stories. Tell me more testimonies. I'm thinking, I'm about to tell you a testimony. Tell you out of my north side living room out on that street, you'll find out. And so they go to telling me and say, you know what, there's just this thing. You know, you got a lot of influence with people. So now he's, you know, now he's treading on some thin eyes. He's wanting me to prostitute the gospel and the gift that God has given me and, and me think that godliness is gain. Amen? Think it's what I can put in my pocket and make it merchandise of the gospel. So finally they come and I said, listen, listen, what are you trying to do? Well, this is company. Then you want to tell me the name of the company. I said, you want to tell me the name? Well, I don't want to tell you the name right now. I said, well, a good name is better to have than great riches. I'll tell you my name. I'll tell you my middle name. It's Dale. Go figure. Finally, they, 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 they came out and told me that they, they were with Amway. And I said, there's only one way I want it in Amway. It's the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through him. Well, after I, I rebuked the guy, their friend, and, and escorted them out of my home for thinking for a minute that I would prostitute the gospel of Jesus Christ for anybody's nickel, you know, they didn't come back to church. But they, what they want to do, they wanted to seduce me in by saying you can help people. Yeah, the people I can help is them. Right, right. They can get me in their down line, and they can connect with the people that I know and use that, that influence to, 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 to put some money in their pocket. No way. So that's what he said. It's going to be done through seduction. Also, he said, hey, Pastor Don Spring, good to have you guys tonight. <laughs> he also said it's going to be built upon the doctrines of devils. How's he going to appeal? How is he going to get on the scene? Well, pride. Here's what you can do. Oh, yeah. Self-promotion. Well, what am I going to get out of this? 
Greed. There you go. Rebellion. You know what? Let's get them back. And so it's going to function off of those things. So there's there's one characteristic that we see this, uh, described that's going to set the groundwork for that. Why we've got to understand the unction of anointing. The second thing is Matthew seven fifteen. Matthew seven fifteen. Turn there real quick. He says, "Beware of false prophets." Don't you wish there's as many real prophets as there were false prophets? I'm telling you, Prophet Bernard Jordan. Anybody heard that name before? Forty nine ninety nine. You can get them cheap now. Used to getting a real prophecy would cost you your whole life. You know what I'm saying? Now it's just forty nine ninety nine. And they'll send you. You can get on a mailing list. You get one every single month. I think for one hundred and forty four. Uh, not that I'm buying them or anything like that. <laughs> he might have them. <laughs> probably from a friend. All of those prophecies. But he said, beware of false prophets that come to you. Listen to this. In sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravening wolves. He said, beware of them. Now check this out. How do you say they're going to come? They're going to come as false prophets. Another terminology for that is religious imposters. He tells us, he said, he said, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirit, whether they're God. For many false prophets, for many religious imposters have gone into the world. That's the spirit of Antichrist. So they're religious imposters that are able going to be able to mimic truth, but never manifest truth. You hear what I'm saying? They'll, they'll get something kind of close, but they'll never manifest truth. Because once truth comes out, what does it do? It sets free. It brings freedom. It doesn't bring more bondage. And so when you're a religious imposter, what is your, your game? Your game is to bring people into bondage. It's not to produce freedom. I'm going to bring you into bondage of fear. I'm going to bring you into a bondage of obligation. I'm going to bring you into a bondage of control. All those things. So they're going to be religious imposters or false prophets. The second thing, and this is the most troubling to, to all of us, it says they will come in sheep's clothing. They'll come to you in sheep's clothing. Here's why it's interesting, because here's what those words actually imply. Sheep's clothing means one that appears to be easily led, that seems submissive, and seems committed. So they'll come as one that seems so easy to lead. Brother, man, I'm with you. Man, good. How to Man, I tell you what, you are scratching my itch. I, I tell you what, I, I was just saying that exact what not? And what not saying that exact same thing today. Man, this is just uncanny. Now this is this. Whoa, this is the Lord. Yeah, you know what's funny? Because we've all been duped by it one time or another. There's that person coming. Man, I'm. I don't care who else is with you. They can. They can all deny it. Uh, you know, cockadoodle. I don't even hear the cockadoodle doing anymore. I'm going to be right there with you. And so they're going to come, and they're going to come appear to be easily led. They're going to appear to be submissive. They're going to appear to be committed. Well, folks, listen, you don't know how submissive you are until you have a disagreement. Because until there's a disagreement, there's no submission. How many married people we have in here? Amen. Every other one. There you go. How many people submissive? Well, hold on. All in favor, say aye. All opposed? You don't know how submitted you are until there's a disagreement. Otherwise, you're just in agreement. Submission doesn't even manifest itself until you have to do something that you don't want to do. And so they're going to seem so submissive, whatever it takes, they're going to seem so committed. But it also implies one that grazes and consumes from the pasture of the shepherd. It's going to be somebody that's going to eat from your field. Somebody that's going to seem to be, they're going to, they're going to take advantage of what you're giving them. They're going to benefit from that. Like that guy that came to my house, he wanted to graze from my pasture. 
He said, listen, you know a lot of people, don't you? You probably have chances to sit down in people's living room that are, that are hurt. I want to graze in your pain. I want you to introduce me to those folks. But I plucked the teeth out of that wolf that night, and he went somewhere else. But it says it also, it's also one that involves himself in the life of the flock. So beware of false prophets. Why? Because it's somebody that's going to find themselves easy to get plugged in. Man, how can I help you, brother? Man, you, David, man, listen, you need a ride? Let me help you. I can't believe somebody else hasn't stepped up and given you a ride yet, my friend. Let, let me be there for you. Oh, man, you know what? Nobody else was there for me. Hey, brother, what's your phone number? Hey, can I come by and take you to coffee sometime? They're, what are they going to do? They're going to involve themselves in your life. They're going to be sinister. You gave us the warning. So what, what these, this sheep's clothing, is going to be seen as the most faithful, the most dedicated, the most involved, the most supportive people that are ever going to be around you. There'll be those that, that, uh, that seem to be consuming everything that's being fed to them. They'll demonstrate this loyalty to the shepherd. It's scary, isn't it? Why? Because we're not going to believe the guy with the 666 curl on his forehead. We're not going to believe the guy with the weird pendants and you know killing chickens. We're not going to believe him. But that person that comes in, it's like, man, that thing seems to be an answered prayer. How can you believe it? We've been praying for years. They finally showed up. Those are the ones that will get you because why? They come looking one way, but the motivation of their heart is totally something different. And so they'll serve on our church boards. They'll lead ministries. And for all intents and purposes, they'll appear to be all in. They'll appear to be a part of the cause. But then. It says they will be ravening wolves. And so this sin is so interesting because of this. Ravening literally means, check this out. It's the word harpox in the Greek, and it means to extort or to be an extortioner. You know what extortion is? Extortion is defined as a, it's, a, it's the illegal use of one's official position or power to obtain property, funds, or patronage. In other words, they're going to be, they're going to extort, they're going to illegally use something that was given to them, that's an authority, a position, an opportunity that was given to them. They're going to be ravening wolves. They're going to take a platform, so to speak, that had been yielded to them, and they're going to use it for personal gain. You'll see it when someone in the church or ministry doesn't get their way. You've ever been in that church? They'll get their way. So what do they do? They use their place and authority, or, 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 or they take that appointed trust, and they influence others towards their way, their rebellion. They'll use things like slander, seeds of discord. They'll murmur. They'll gossip. They'll complain. They'll do all these things. They'll use flattering lips. That's what ravening wolves do. They'll, they'll extort power. They'll influence from where God had, a pla had, had placed it, and they'll do unlawfully seizing and utilization for their own plans and purposes. And folks, this is a widespread problem that happens in the church. And it calls them also, it says they're ravening wolves. And it's the word leukos in the Greek. It obviously refers, obviously, to a wolf. And I believe in the, in the Greek New Testament, it's also used a jackal. But it refers metaphorically to someone that's cruel, controlling, greedy, and ultimately destructive of people. In other words, they see people as the means to an end rather than people as the ministry. How can I use that person? That's got something. I'll tell you a story. There's a church that I was involved in many, many years before I was ever pastoring in Texas, church that numbered in the thousands. And my, my cousin, who's, who's so anointed, so gifted, I hope he's watching this today. I hope he gets convicted because he's bootlegged for 20 years. He's still not preaching the gospel. I'll call him by name. No, I won't, I won't do it that way. But he may watch this video. 
Uh, he'll know who I'm talking about because it's a tremendous call, all these things. Got caught up, still caught up in, in making a buck and doing these things. Good guy, moral family, all those deep things, but he's hidden the talents of God in his life. So I want to go on record as saying that like I say it to him every time I see him. And so, but he, he, he was in this church and he was telling me he's sitting there with this, this pastor that's part of ministry development. They were waiting on somebody and they were just seeing the cars pulling up in front of this IHOP. And a guy gets out of the car, which was the guy for them. And he said, guys, look, see that guy right there getting out of the car. He said, that's the look that we want. He said, that's the look that we want. That's the type of look that will grow a church. Now, I don't know what the guy looked like. I mean, he probably doesn't look anything like me if he's going to grow a church. But he says, that's the look that we want. In other words, that's the type of look that we can get to get the means to our end. We're going to be able to, that's the face that we want to put on a bulletin with his nice little nuclear family. That's the you see how sinister that type of thing is. That's the look. And so, so it means something's going to be destructive towards people. But it's, it's, it's wild because it's the same Greek word when we get our English word, leukemia. It's, 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 it's leukos. We get leukemia from, which it's a blood cancer. Now check this out. It's where the white blood cells enter into a condition of unrestrained proliferation that causes impairment or improper clotting or holding together things. And they eventually will shut down the vital organs, specifically the liver, the spleen, the lymph nodes, or those things that serve as defensive filters for the body and other immunities. And so what does it do? They'll come in just like a blood cancer. There'll be something, they'll be unrestrained, and the thing that they'll want to destroy is those things that help fight off disease. How do they do that? Well, do you think that guy can be trusted? You know, he's, I, I really like him. There's just something about him. What have I done? I've, I've broken down the body. I've, I've created seeds of discord. I've said, oh, I don't know about that guy. Or, that sister there, man, she seems okay. And I really like her. You know, she's pretty stiff. It's probably just me. I'm sure, I'm sure she's fine. I just, I just can't get away from that recurring dream I have about what Catherine does. <laughs> it's, again, it's, it's probably me, probably don't mean a thing in the world, but. But you see how that stuff happens? And so what does it do? Well, you listen. You know, there's an issue. I, I, I just don't want to say anything about it. Just pray about it. <laughs> You've heard that one, haven't you? <laughs> now, I don't want to say things. I don't want to put any thoughts in your mind whatsoever. So I'm not going to tell you what it is. I'm just going to tell you there's a big issue. If it doesn't get dealt, dealt with, some bad things are going to happen. I'm just telling you. <laughs> but I'm not going to tell you what it is. I'm going to leave that to your vain imagination later. That way you can conjure up all these things in your mind and think it's the worst thing. You see how that stuff works? That's, that's the leukemia. That's how that stuff is injected into the bloodstream of the church and the people in the body of Christ that causes this destructive disease. That's exactly what he said would happen. That's the rabbit and wolf spirit. 2 Thessalonians 2 9 says, This one man will come to do the work of Satan. Here's another way he works with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. I'll, I'll give you another verse that goes with that one Matthew 7 22. Many will come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy? You heard me. Man, I'm dead on. Every word King James prophesied. Did you not hear me? Well, we had a lady in the church when I was a kid. Uh, she stood up one day and she said, Behold, thus saith the Lord. I get scared too sometimes. <laughs> True story. Stood up and said, Behold, thus saith the Lord. I get scared too sometimes. A guy stood up in the middle of the church and he said, That is not the Lord. He sat down. The lady stood right back up and said, Behold, thus saith the Lord. I am too the Lord. <laughs> Oh my oh gosh. My <laughs> yeah, can you believe that? 
true story. Well, you know what? That stuff just allowed to go on and on and on. When I first started pastoring, there was a guy in the church that would come in. Here I was, just 24 years old. And uh, this guy, I mean, the stuff that he would say to people was just outlandish. Well, I saw a wrench spinning in the air. It, it unhooked a bolt, and the bolt flew off, and it turned into a butterfly and landed on your shoulder. Why don't you go pray? I'm, I'm really not, if I'm, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. I'm just using different words. It was just stuff like that. Why don't you go pray about that? Because I believe it's something deep for you. And so here I am, 24 years old, walking in this church. And so all these people are coming up to me with all these weird words. Pastor, such and such came to me. He was the elder of the church. And he had this word for me. Can you help me find, are you like Daniel? Are you like Joseph Dream Interpreter or something? He's telling me this stuff. I'm like, what? Yeah, he saw my leg and it turned into a mannequin leg and it ran across many waters. And, and so I'm sitting down in the elders meeting. Elders meeting, he was like 60-something years old. I'm just a 12-year-old kid, 12, 20, 12-year-old, 12, 12 12-year-old with those guys. But I knew what the Bible said. And so I had five or six different people that had come to me, and the Lord says, don't receive an accusation against the elder, but two or three witnesses, and those that sin, rebuke, but all may fear. So I'm going to do what the Bible says. You know what? Those guys didn't pay me enough not to do what the Bible. Matter of fact, they didn't pay me anything, so I could do what I wanted to, but I had to beat me wiggly and give me a job sacking groceries and done better than I did there. And so I told him, I said, listen, Bob, such and such told me you said this. And I kind of said it nonchalant. They told me you had this word for me. I said, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, what's his name? He said, last Sunday you came and told him this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, what is up with that? The Bible says that prophecy is given for edification, exhortation, and comfort. And that doesn't fit anywhere within those parameters. And now he knows it's on. And he said, I tell you what, I've been doing this way for 50 years. And he said, I'm going to keep doing it that way or I'm not going to do it at all. And I said, that's fine. He said, what do you mean? I said, don't do it at all. Well, he finally got a real word from the Lord. 30 days later, the Lord spoke to him and told him to get out of my church and go somewhere else. I said, I'm going witness to that brother. See you later. Amen. <laughs> 30 days later, the pastor of that church, if this happened to be a friend of mine, called me up and said, what is up with this guy? And I said, well, here's what I did. 30 days later, he got a second word from the Lord and went to somebody else's church and never been heard from again. And so you see how that stuff comes in. It says, they'll say I prophesied. So just because I prophesied and I have to end every sentence with, thus said the Lord, it's got to be a prophesied. Folks, let me tell you something. God does not need your byline. You know what I'm saying? If it's the Lord, just say it and the Lord will tell what so it's the Lord. And so all this, you know, let me give you a word. You bear witness to that? You know what I tell them? It don't matter if I bear witness to it or not. You know what? If it's the Lord, praise God. If it's not, your blood be upon your own head for being a false prophet. And so if you're confident enough to give me that word, I'm confident to tell you the truth. Amen? Right. You blood be upon your own head. If it's not, let it fall upon you in judgment. But just because we say, thus saith the Lord behind somebody, we have the right King James. Right? Yeah, I can King James just like anybody else. That's what I cut my teeth on. But you know what? Jesus didn't come out of Mary's womb speaking, you know, thou this and they. You know what I'm saying? He knows how we talk. And so just because we do that, which I do that, because that's just how I talk too sometimes. It doesn't give any validation of that word. But he said, they're going to come say, we prophesied, we cast out demons. I shared with you my, my old deliverance ministry of, you know, da, 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 And they're going to perform many signs and wonders and miracles. In other words, they're going to have all this counterfeit signs and wonders. In other words, they're going to feed the need of a wicked and perverse generation. Why do I say that? You know the word. Because a wicked and a perverse generation got to see it to believe it. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I, I got to see it. I got to have some confirmation. Well, I got something bigger than what I see. And it's what I know. 
I got a greater reality than anything that I've seen. I've seen miracles, but that's not why I serve God. I've seen blinded eyes open. That's not why I see God. I've seen people on their deathbed rise up, but that's not why I serve Jesus. I served you before I ever saw him get up. No, so I've seen death and ends. I believe that. I've seen God do miracles and save and deliver. I've seen all those things, but none of those things contribute to why I serve God. I serve God because he found me in, in, in a place of destitution. When I say destitution, I'm not talking about some drug addict. I never used drugs, never never smoked pot one time, never done this. So it's not that he found me in this place where I was crawling through the gutter. So I'm just some wounded person that needs some hope. That's not what he found. He found me lost and, and, and destitute in sin. I was just as wicked as, as any pervert, as, as, as any jailhouse. I was just as wicked. Just my wickedness was easier to hide. And so I didn't need all those things. I needed somebody to come in and change who I was on the inside. Now, all those neat things I've got to see since, let's praise God for them. But those things are not going to change a bit about what I believe because there's a greater reality in what I see. It's what he said. He's true to his word. Heaven and earth and all those things in between are going to pass away. But my word, he said, will never pass away. So they're going to bring something that's going to uh, going to entice a, a wicked and perverse generation. How many of you guys witnessed the people say, I can't believe in God? I've never seen him. You've heard that? I asked a guy a couple weeks ago, I said, have you ever seen your brain? He's like, well, I, I, I've seen pictures. And I said, no, no, no. I've seen pictures of Jesus. You know, he's sitting on that white leather-bound bottle with his hands clasped on a rock with big, bright blue eyes looking at me. I've seen, well, that don't count. Well, looking at your brain don't count either. I've seen the effects of God, but tonight, young man, I, I don't see the effects of the brain going on inside of you because most people your age don't act like that. So, do you believe you have a brain? Yeah, why? Because somebody told me it's up there. Well, I believe there's a God. And so, you don't have to see that brain to believe it, but you got to see God. Now, come on now. Why? Because they've been taught, i got to see something to believe it. So, what happens? Anybody can do a carnival act in front of them. It don't have to be a real miracle. They're going to bite right what's that? What's his David Blaine, street magic? Biting coins in half and stuff, you know? I know it's a trick. But I tell you what, I saw, I saw a little clip the other day. It's funny. We was going through the channels, and, and that thing popped up. So he's, I know that name. And he did something. And this woman looked at him and said, you're just the devil. And turned around and walked out. <laughs> I don't know, David, whether I'm going to the devil or not, but she sure thought he was. <laughs> and so all of those things that we see lay the groundwork for, we have to have an understanding of what the unction and what the anointing really are. Because there's going to be a lot of things out there that are going to pose themselves. So that's the basis for our study this week. And, and we're going to, here's what we look at. First John uh, 2.20 says this. But we have an unction from the Holy One, and we know all things. Let me give you another translation. It says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. The NLT, I like this. He says, but you're not like that. For the Holy One has given you his spirit, and all of you know the truth. That's what he said. Isn't that good? We can know the truth. We don't have to wait for somebody out of Rome to tell us or somebody out of Springfield to tell us what the truth is. All we've got to do is get on our face and get in God's word and allow the spirit of God to come to us. That's what helps us. Absolutely, we love teachers. We love those type of things. But at the end of the day, I tell you what, you're not going to get anything by osmosis that you can't get from him. It's I'm going to search the scriptures to know if it's so. You know what I praise God for when I was coming up called to preach? I praise God that I didn't have Google. I didn't. I didn't have to say, Lord, I, 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 need, I need some insight on this, Lord Jesus. Ah, let's see what the old A.W. Pink said. Let's see what this guy over here said. 
No, you know what I had to do? I had to, I had to grab a hold of the horns of the altar and fall on my face and say, God, you know what? I'm going to have a bunch of angry people looking at me tomorrow. And I've got to have something fresh. I've got to have something real, Lord God. I, I, I've got to hear from you. I've got to know. And so, I, and so I, I didn't have all this. You know what? I got 50 things on my computer and all that stuff. Praise God, I got some of that stuff now. But I would spread out all these battles. That's knowing Jeremy was a little old baby. And so she'd be tiresome. So I'd put the string to my toe and I'd put him in his little thing. I'd rock him with one foot. Some of you guys have done something. And I'd be reading over here. And so you kind of have to adjust your head for the pages. And, you know. and then I'd have all these books and stuff and studying. And, you know, be up all night, pressing into his presence and say, God, you you, you, you got to give me something. Well, now it's just da, 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 click, click, click. And we move on the mouse and we think we got revelation. We ain't got revelation. We got regurgitation. Because you never learn to pay the price. You never have to grab him. You never have to die to yourself. You're just getting some secondhand Jesus. And so there's really not a, a commitment to those things. And so we can know the truth. Understanding the unction of the only Holy Spirit. This is such necessary, folks. It's timely because it relates closely to the things that we see and experience. We're spirit-filled. We like that. We call ourselves full gospel. But here's what's happened. We've adopted these terminologies called the anointing. The anointed, spirit-filled. And so it, it's become more of a, a, a cliche in some brand of Christianity. And we thought it was talking about us in First Thessalonians 1.5, that, that, that we brought you the good news, but our gospel came not in word only, like the Baptist, in power and in demonstration of the Holy Ghost with much assurance that you might know what manner of men we are for your sakes. And just because we have the right vernacular, we have the right decorum, we think that we're okay, but here's what we forgot. We forgot that he says, for the Holy Ghost came with full assurance of what we said was true. Not what we just did, not just that demonstration stuff, and you all know our concern for you by the way that we lived when we were with you. That's the second part of 1 Thessalonians 1 and 5. I want you to note this. Signs, wonders, miracles, power were never intended to be a substitute for the truth or a substitute for a life lived righteously. I want to say that again. Because what happens, you'll see these, these, these folks on television, you'll see the videos or YouTube, whatever else, and you'll see all this neat, cool stuff. You'll say, man, I want to be like that. Man, I want, I want to be able to, to get my hanky out of my white suit and just wave it across people and see people fall down. If I could just do that, then I, that would mean that I had the favor of the Lord. If I could just do that. If I could just stand there and call out people in front of all these, these crowds in Africa and see these neat things happen and somebody writhe like a snake and they get up and they're, they're in the right mind. If I could just do that. Folks, those things weren't made to take the place of a righteous life. I remember sitting in a room of about 15 pastors in Amarillo. I got invited to a pastor's prayer meeting. Didn't get invited back too many times. But they were going around and all these, these pastors were talking about you know, we just want to get together because pastors have unique needs. And here I'm a young guy again, thinking, oh, unique needs. I want to come with some high-powered preachers in town. High, they must have sent the invitation to the wrong address because I told them on the wrong side of town. So I go over there, and this guy's got a church of several thousand. He says, I just need y'all to pray for me tonight. I'm like, oh, okay, hallelujah. What's going on? Are you struggling or something? And he says, you know, we just bought some property. And I'm thinking, oh, man, they, you know what happened? Is there a bomb on it or something? And you get a defuse. And he says, I just don't know if we need to put the main interest facing the east or facing the west. How's it? I really didn't know east, west, north, and south. That morning, no, I, 
was looking for a compass or a sundial or something. Because it really matter that And he was serious. Another one was talking about, you know what, we're going to get on, on, on television. We just, I just need some wisdom. I don't know if we want to get this, this HD camera with, you know, 1080 resolution to settle for something a little bit less. And it's going around the table. But it comes around right before me, and there's this gray-headed guy that, that I knew him. I knew him and his wife. His wife had been confined to a wheelchair. And he was, he was a, a bivocational pastor that was an electrician by trade. And by the time it got around to him, he's an older guy, praise God for him, he just had tears in his eyes. And he says, guys, he said, listen, I, I hear I'm going to be praying for you guys. He said, and he broke down, he said, but at the end of the day, he said, I just want to pray for y'all to pray for me. He said, I just want to be found faithful to Jesus. I just want to be found faithful. Man, it was home for me at that point. I was like, I'd just gotten a call from a, a lady in the church that, that we had uh, that they just uh, brought two girls that were in a, uh, a house of prostitution right behind our church. And we just want these girls to the Lord. And we got to get them out of there. Where can we put them? So that was my call. And so I'm hearing these guys talking about which way the door swings. And I got two girls that are fleeing from a pimp. And it didn't compete with me. So I'm thinking, you know, what's what's going on here? Is that what validates these things? The power of God is not something that can be defined by things seen. We'll say that again. It cannot be defined by the things seen. The power of God is truly only manifested through the kingdom of God or the place where his rule and reign are evident. That's when we know what the unction and anointing looks like. Why do I say that? Well, because here's what Jesus said in, in Luke 17, 20, 21. He said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. He goes on to say, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom is that which is under the rulership. It's under the authority. It's something that has been submitted to a higher authority. And so if I want to know if I'm functioning within the parameters of the kingdom, well, how am I functioning? I'm functioning under authority. I'm functioning submitted to a higher authority than myself. We talked about this in, in depth a couple weeks ago. God so loved the world. He loved his order of things. He loved that thing that he established that he gave his son, that whoever believes upon him would not perish, would not be out of order, but would have eternal life. They would have a life that looked like the life that Adam's life looked like, a life that was in a relationship with God, a, that wasn't disconnected, that wasn't running from God and hiding their nakedness. That's what eternal life looks like. It's not something we're waiting for one day we stand there, you know, St. Peter is standing at the gate. That's not eternal life. Eternal life is a now life. It's a holy life. It's a righteous life. It's a victorious life. That's what eternal life looks like. But because it gets paired with something else, it just come pray this prayer and, and say a little prayer and get dumped in some water or get confirmed or whatever else and go live like hell in this temporal life, then one day you'll have eternal life. Folks, there's nothing magical going to happen to you from the altar to the gates of, of heaven in between now. It happens at the cross of Calvary when we come and eternal life comes inside of us and the kingdom of God takes authority. Now, you can't see it all. Why? Because now we see through the glass darkly, but when that which is perfect is done, that which is in part shall be done away with. That which keeps the full manifestation of the kingdom of God being seen and demonstrated for me when, when mortality picks up immortality and all this, this, this stuff that's going to pass away picks up with that which is eternal, then you're going to see the full manifestation of the kingdom of God in my heart and life. But in the meantime, it's not in the hocus pocus and all these other jumping through hoops and things. That's not the authority of God. That's just a grace gift of God that sometimes is used within the parameters of his kingdom. It's not demonstrated by things we see or things that we're doing, but rather who you are. 
Listen to this. Don't miss this. It's not manifested in the character. It's manifested in the character of a person, not in the character of a person. You know what a character is? You ever went to the, the fair or something like that? And they draw a picture of you. What does that picture look like? It exaggerates all of your features. And so, you know, I will let them draw me. They're the tablet enough to carry this bone. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm going to have a head this big, a little tiny body. Ears are just hanging, poked down. It's how that works. I'm not even going to put myself through the ridicule. But a character exaggerates those things that they can see. And so most people, want to, they think that the kingdom of God, they think that the anointing is just an exaggeration of something. And so what do people do? Well, man, it was so anointing. We show him only the service today. Why? Well, man, we, the guy didn't even get to preach today. Oh, so you exaggerated the worship and eliminated the truth. Have you ever noticed that? When the spirit moves, why is it that any time people say the spirit moved, the word is eliminated from the equation? Man, the spirit moves so much today. I tell you what, the guys, they couldn't they could even worship. They, we can't, we shot straight to the, uh, the truth of God's word. Why don't people ever say that? Why can't it be so anointed that all we do is get to hear the word? Man, it's so anointed that all we've got to do is press into the presence and find his face. And, 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 and you see what I'm saying? We get these things, we want to eliminate the truth of God's word. That's not the anointing. It's revealed in truth. It's a character. Let's exaggerate these things. He said, but you have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things. So let me ask you a question. How does one come by the unction, and the anointing. Because that's what we really want. I, I don't think there's any disingenuous people in this room tonight that says, you know what, man, I just want to figure out a loophole in this thing just to get in. And, and God said, man, he got me on that one. <laughs> you don't, right? Or you wouldn't be here. I mean, just, I, I don't know what would attract you just to the word anyway. It has to be saying, you know, God, I want that, that unction and that anointing. Here's the answer. It's through promise and it's through pursuit. It's through promise and it's through pursuit. Here's the promise. Acts 1, 4 through 8 says this. It says, Being assembled together with them, he commanded them that they would not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard of me. He said, you go wait. You go wait for the promise. I'm going to give you something. Most people don't like to wait for five minutes. They don't have any patience. They don't have any endurance. It's like, come and fix it quick. It says, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. He says, when they therefore will come together, they ask him, saying, Lord, at this time will you restore the kingdom of Israel? He says to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons, but the Father has his own power. In verse 8. Then he says, you'll receive power. Somebody say amen. We want it. We want it. I mean, I want it. After the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. Folks, for every promise, there has got to be a purpose that accompanies it. You see what I'm saying? He's just not going to throw all these promises out there without some purpose behind it. He's not going to say, well, well, Pastor Don, i got a promise for you. Now, what do you want to do with that promise? i got a promise. Well, what's the purpose of that? Well, I don't really know what it is, but man, i got a promise. Can't you see? i got the tag on the shirt. It's a promise boy. You know, he's not going to do that. He's going to give you a promise that's going to have a purpose and a reason. Man, you know what? God gave me the ability to do such and such. Well, what for? Well, I don't know. Well, are you sure God gave it to you? Well, if it's a promise from God, it's going to have a purpose and a reason behind it so you can do something with it. So it's got to have a purpose. Well, 
Here's what he said. He said, here's the purpose. It's in Acts 1. He said, the promise is to baptize or to submerge you in him spiritually. So I've got a promise that's going to bring an unction. It's going to put you totally submerged in him spiritually. Then he gave a promise. He said, listen, my spirit is, was with you, but now he's going to be in you. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and he dwells inside of you? So he's going to remind you, but if you defile that temple, why? Because now you're submerged. Here's the promise. But if any man defiles that temple, 1 Corinthians 3.17, God will destroy you because God's temple is holy. You're submerged. Whose temple are you? So the purpose is to submerge us spiritually into him. Folks, I'll tell you what. No Shonda and Iki Moha and Hucking and Bucking and, and Jive talking for Jesus is going to do it. You know, the, the evidence of a spirit-filled life is not how much I can talk in tongues. Period. I've had demon-possessed people talk in tongues to me before. That was just in church. Do I believe in speaking in tongues? Absolutely. I'm kind of like Paul. I pray to God that I speak in tongues more than all y'all. Shonda, Iki, Moha, all day long. You know what I'm saying? But that's not the evidence of a spirit-filled life. The evidence of a spirit-filled life is a life submerged in the character and the person of Christ Jesus. And praise God, I get to speak in tongues. It's also to empower you. Here's the purpose. To empower and enable you to walk in obedience. Man, why do you have to use that word obedience again? That's what he wants us to do, is to obey. Why? Because I can be like Samuel. I mean, I can be like Saul in, in 1 Samuel, where it says, man, he's just tired of waiting. So what do he say? I'm going to take some things in my own hands. I'm going to offer a sacrifice. And what happened? Because of just failing to wait on the purpose of the promise, it says that his kingdom was, was taken from him. He says, don't you know to obey is always better than to sacrifice. How long will you mourn Saul seeing that I have rejected him is what he goes on to say a chapter later. So it's empower you to walk in obedience to whatever he tells you to do. And it's also to be empower you to be a witness. Now, all of us street witness people get on that and we'd say, okay, you got to go witness with me. Well, you know, that's true. You've got to go witness because that is the Great Commission. But the witness here is that Martos, or that Martyrios, which martyr, in other words, he's going to give you the power, the unction and anointing, the purpose of it is for us to die to ourselves. Because face it, folks, without the Spirit of God enabling us to kill ourselves, so to speak, spiritually, we won't do it. And we want to survive. But whoever saves his life loses it. But whoever loses his life for his sake He's going to find it. He's going to gain it. And so it gives us the power to say no to our flesh. Now, again, in this group, I'm not talking about your old beer drinking flesh. I'm not talking about your fist fighting flesh. You know, most of us are too old, too tired to do any of those things. But I'm talking about that old attitude flesh, that unforgiveness flesh, that bitterness flesh, that condemning flesh. I'm talking about that part of the flesh that we don't want to kill. Now, I'm going to forgive you. I'm just not going to forget. Oh, I, 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 we're, we're good. We're people. We're, we're fine. If you do it again, Aaron, I'm going to wear you out. Well, if I'm really walking in righteousness and I died to myself, she did it a million times. It's just like the first time. Oh, I'm sorry I did that again. What do you mean you did it again? Man, he put my sin as far as the east is from the west, and I were much bigger than yours. You don't think I can forgive you, sis? 
70 times 7 or 70 times 75, it really don't matter. You know what? Because I'm going to need that mercy from him. So I'm going to give it to you. Because blessed are the merciful. Right. They should obtain mercy. So with whatever measure I measure out, I'm measure to me. So I'll be real good to you. Man, I'm glad you're mean to me. And I can be nice to you, man, because hallelujah. You see what I'm saying? That's what it's going to look like. That's what it's going to do. It's going to give us the ability to die to ourselves. But it's also going to give us the ability to go and to share the good news. Folks, I'm not bold because I had that personality. I'm bold because I got saved. You know what I'm saying? Before I got saved, I was just belligerent. It kind of said, look like boastful and bold about it. It's belligerent. It's all self-focused. But the word says, when the, the wicked flee, when no one pursues, but the righteous, uh-oh, the righteous are as bold as a lion. Well, I know what John 17, 17 says. He says, Father, sanctify them, make them righteous by thy word. Thy word is truth. And so when the word gets into me, I have an unction of truth. And what does that make me? It emboldens me. It gives me the ability to do something that has nothing to do with my, my messed up personality or my tired upbringing or anything else. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. And now I've got an unction of the Holy Spirit that gives me a boldness that puts me in places that I've never been, saying things that I've never said to do things that I've never done. Then what happens? You begin to step out and faith begins to increase. Hey, this ain't too bad. I didn't know I could do that. What? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I can. I can stand under a fifteen foot cross on Bourbon Street. You know what? I don't sweat any of it anymore. But do you think I would have ever had that same attitude standing under a cross in the red light district of Amsterdam had I not been bold enough to go to Bourbon Street? What prepared me for Amsterdam with a bunch of people who talk a language I've never heard, doing things that I've never seen? Amen. Was the fact that I could go there. Do you think if I wouldn't have been bold enough to go and stand on the streets of Amsterdam and, a, and where they sell legalized prostitution? you think I'd have been able to, to spend two weeks walking across uh, uh, a Muslim nation like Turkey when they told me not to wear a Jesus shirt, but we wore one every day, preaching uncompromising gospel, seeing families get saved? If I wouldn't have been bold enough to, 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 to be on Bourbon Street or, or be in uh, my, my neighborhood in Amarillo, Texas, what did I do? I got bold for where I was, and he brought an increase in my faith. And so just step out in those areas, and that's where you get that increase in that unction into your life. We saw it there. We saw it also in Matthew 311. He said, I need baptizing with water and repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. You know what's so funny? I see these evangelists preaching. They're talking about, you know what? You want to get baptized with the Holy Spirit? Fire, fire, fire! You see that? That's the craziest thing I've ever seen. Because I've read the Bible. You want the fire of God? Fire, fire, fire. Folks, you don't want the fire of God. Think it not strange concerning the fire of trials. You know what the fire was for? It's to purge that junk out of your life and to sanctify you to be holy. That's what the fire of God's desired for. It's not so we can shout and blow and all these other things that us quote-unquote spiritual people like to do. You don't yell the fire. You yell when you're in the fire. Help me, Jesus. Help me. I'm in the fire. Yep. So the evangelists need to be yelling in there because they're going to be in danger of hellfire if they keep deceiving people. 
He says, I'm baptizing you with the purging power of the Spirit of God that wants to bring sanctification and righteousness into your life. It's going to say that there's no temptation that comes upon you, but that which is common to all men. That God is not allowing you to be tempted beyond that which you can bear. He's going to put you through the fire. That way you'll have a way of escape. The way of escape is always the fire. I didn't see Nebuchadnezzar's guys chasing the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the fiery furnace. Did you? I didn't see the the the, 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 the armies of Pharaoh going up there around the burning bush. You know when the pillar of fire by night lit up and the, the children of Israel began to march around their wilderness? I'm sure their enemies were going, I don't get near those crazy folks. You see what I'm saying? Clothing tongues is fire. Those people just had to fly out and say, y'all must be drunk or crazy, but I don't know what it is. Man, there's some crazy fiery stuff happening around here. Why? Because when the fire of God shows up, the holiness and the righteousness and the presence of God showed up. And you know what? No flesh shall glory in his presence. The fire is designed to consume you, amen, not to entertain you. That's right. Amen. John 16, 13-15. How be it? So when the spirit of truth has come, he'll guide you into all truth. When the spirit comes, what's he going to do? Cause you to jump, shout, huck a buck? Nope. He's going to guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of himself, but whatsoever he will hear, that will he speak, and he will show you things to come. He'll glorify me, for he will receive of mine and show it to you. All things that the Father hath are mine, therefore I said that he shall take of mine and shall show it to you. Here's what he's telling us he's doing. Here's the promise again. The promise is to guide you into all truth. You know, anointed people are going to be people full of truth. That's what they're going to have. They're going to have a truth. They're going to open their mouth and they're going to marvel. That's what they, that's what they did when they heard the, 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 the disciples speak. It says they marveled at them when they spoke. Are you not ignorant Galileans? Now, it didn't say they marveled when they see them do miracles. You ever thought about that? It marveled at the words they spoke. Why? Because he guided them into all truth. They marveled at people that shouldn't know what they know. People that had a revelation that they should not have had are suddenly getting a revelation that these scribes and Pharisees that had, had, had walked through the law that could not even get it. They'd been blinded in their eyes. So he leads the guys into all truth, but he said he also prepare you or show you things to come. He's going to prepare you for things to come. Now, folks, we teach about eschatology, pre-trip, mid-trip, post-trip. I, I, I told you what I was. But you know what? At the end of the day, I'm not afraid of any of it. Because I know whom I believed. And so regardless of what it is, I'm prepared for things to come. So if I get out like I'm expecting to, praise God, I'll get out with a shout and I'll be with him forever in the air. If I don't, praise God, I'll be here with a shout and I'll be with him soon enough. Amen. But he's preparing me now for things to come later. And he says he's going to also, he shall glorify me. In other words, he's going to teach us how to glorify God. Does your life glorify God? So when you ask people on the streets all the day, is the life that you're living, does it really glorify God? Do you think God's glorified by your drunkenness, by your rebellion, by your unforgiveness? Do you think God's really glorified? Do you think he's going to look at you and say, man, I'm so glad that I died on the cross through my son Jesus and, 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 and poured out my blood and allowed the wrath of God to be poured out upon my son Jesus to be wounded for your transgressions, bruised for your iniquity, so you could still be that old diabolical, filthy pervert that you would before. Oh, well done, my good and faithful servant. Really? Does that glorify God? No. Man, what glorifies God is victory. It's trusting in him to do what I could never do for myself. 
believing God through the empowerment to walk in holiness and righteousness and truth, and also to teach us biblical authority, to teach us all things, to teach us those things pertaining to eternal life. So that's the that's the promise. Here's the pursuit. I'm gonna to hurry tonight. You have an unction of holy of, of the of the Holy One, you have an unction of all things. That word unction or anointing comes from a word charisma. Not we get the derivative for grace, charis, but this is charisma. And here's what it literally means. It means the teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit. That's why I said he'll lead and guide you into all truth. Now we think about the Holy Spirit as the power ministry of the Holy Spirit, don't we? But what about the teaching ministry of the Holy Spirit? Think about, and I'm not going to turn there just for the sake of time. First Corinthians 12, he gives us the nine gifts of the Spirit. Who can call those things out? Working in miracles, we know that. What else? We get Faith, discernment. Huh? Gift of tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy. There's six. Healing. Seven. Word of knowledge. Word of wisdom. Okay? Healing. Miracles. Let's move him over. Now, faith, where's faith come by hearing? Hearing by the word of God. That's a teaching ministry. Word of knowledge, teaching ministry. Word of wisdom, teaching ministry. Discernment, heightened awareness of the spiritual realm, a teaching ministry. Prophecy, teaching ministry. Interpretation of tongues, teaching ministry. Tongues, teaching ministry. Have you ever thought about seven of the nine gifts are strictly teaching-oriented ministry of the Holy Spirit? We never think about it like that, though, do we? That it's to teach us something. It's to enable us to have a greater empowerment to instruct His Word. So it's the teaching. That's the, the charisma, the teaching ministry. It describes God's guidance towards His will. It's a persuader of believers towards God's preferences. And it functions always through Faith. Folks, it's not the anointing, the unction is not chill bumps. It's not an engaging personality. It's not some noted giftedness. It's not, oh, hallelujah, he must be anointed. Why? Because I can't understand it. What are you saying when he's preaching? You've been in them churches? Hallelujah, he's anointed. Why? Because I don't, man, he's anointed. Well, what did he say? I don't know what he said, but whatever he said, he said it real good. I laugh because I've done some of that stuff, folks. And I've destroyed all the videos and we can check on YouTube. It's not a boisterous, it's not being confrontational, it's not even found in manifestations. The anointing is actually the manifestation. I want you to get this. If you're anointed, the anointing is the manifestation of a balanced life. It's the manifestation of a balanced life. Now, I'm going to prove it to you because it's the rub or the demonstrated influence that reflects the nature of Christ. Was Christ in balance? Christ was balanced. He didn't have to be in balance because he was balanced. Here's what I mean by this. It's, it's three things. I'm going to do these quickly tonight. A day is to the Lord a thousand years and a thousand years is a lot. I'm going to give you the balance. It's inspirational. It's informational. And it's transformational. That's what the unction is. The anointing does what? We know the scripture. You know the anointing, and the anointing does what? It breaks, destroys yokes. Okay? I know the truth. What does the truth do? Sets free. Truth sets free. Anointing sets free. What does it tell me? They're together. So it's 
Inspirational, informational, transformational. Inspirational is this. No one can come unto me except the Spirit draws them. So it's inspirational. It's got to do with something that's felt, something that I'm receiving. He's drawing me by the Spirit to salvation. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, Acts 2 and 4. They began to speak as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. To be filled is to have something poured out upon you in volume. So they were poured. They were inspired. Something enabled them. He poured out his spirit. Uh, he stood up in the, in the book of Acts. They were all amazed. They were in doubt. Some were doubting. Some said, what made us this? Some were mocking and said they're full of new wine. I want to stop there just for a second, even though it's taking me over just a little bit. He said they were, said they were full of new wine. And Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted his voice said, you men of Judea and all the twelve in Jerusalem, don't be known. Hearken to my word. He said, these men are not drunk, as you suppose. Okay. Somehow, in, in, in our churches, let's just take the blame, we adopted this drunk in the spirit thing. Okay. If you think it came from there, you are, you are, you are just wrong. I'll just, let's just break it down to that. That's not even what that says. They were mocking. They also said that Jesus was a drunkard. They also said he cast out devils in the name of Elizabeth. Just because it's in the Bible and God commentates on it doesn't mean that was the case. And so we get people, well, I've got so full of the Spirit. I'm drunk in the Spirit. Well, then you go right back home and you cheat on your husband or your wife again. I'm drunk in the Spirit. Yeah, then you get in traffic and somebody says something and you cuss them out. Now, you weren't intoxicated. You weren't influenced by the Spirit. You just got manipulated by an environment. I'm so drunk in the Spirit. Well, sober up. Be sober-minded. Be vigilant, what the Scripture says. You see what I'm saying? And so we get this idea about being this, this drunk in the Spirit because it's a learned response. I'm a spirit-filled Pentecostal, tongue-tucking voice. I can say this type of thing. I'm not some Baptist sitting somewhere next to uh, 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 somebody's uh, Baptist hymnal. I'm telling you the truth. Been there, done that. He said, but it's not just 9 o'clock in the morning. He said, this is what's spoken about the prophet Joel. So what you see spoken by the prophet Joel. Joel said, everybody's going to get in the Holy Ghost time to organize drunk. No, I'm sorry, that ain't what he spoke, was it? He said, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh, your sons and your daughters, Going to stumble around. He didn't say that. He said, I'm going to prophesy. That really messes up my evangelism services for next week. <laughs> Your young men are going to see visions. Man, they want that offering. Your old men will dream dreams. Man, I'm going to have to figure out me a new video. You see how we get duped into thinking things are unction and annoying? They don't even have a biblical basis. Folks, I'm not beholden by my learned traditions. This is what I'm beholden to right here. The only thing that I have to answer to at the end of the day is the Lord Jesus Christ and the Scripture revealed. And so if I'm going to be correct, I want to be corrected by that word. I don't care who does it. I don't have to say, well, that's the way Granny always done it. You know, we always gathered around with our hands joined and Granny acted kind of crazy in the middle of us and we said, oh, look how spiritual Granny is. And she would flat chew you out when you got home too. And I was like, well, right in the Spirit. She was so meek and lowly earlier. Well, I guess she sobered up on the way home from church. <laughs> They're not under the influence that you assume they are, is what he said. Because drunkenness was not even something that was strictly associated with stumbling around. It had to do with acting out of character. Man, those people are acting different. They gotta be drunk. They gotta something better gonna be wrong with them. So it's inspirational, informational, because it functions through faith. It must have as its source as true. You know, Paul the Apostle at Ephesus he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He's telling the truth. You believe what? How can they hear without a preacher? 
He says, no, we haven't. We haven't even heard about it. We haven't even taught about the Holy Ghost yet. That's Acts 19 and 2. And so what did he do? He gave him an introduction. He told him about the things that happened, just like Peter did on the day of Pentecost. And there was an outpouring. And so this is true for everything biblical. The anointing is not the anointing apart from truth, because then it would have no standard, no balance, and no means by which to judge things righteously. There's got to be. How do we judge Scripture? With Scripture. Go to the Word of God, not through experience. And so what does that do? That brings it down. It becomes transformational. Otherwise, what it will do is swing too far to one side or the other. It will either become fleshly and flaky or it will become dead and legalistic. The balance is in. I got inspiration from the Spirit, but I got information from the Word. And so I get to walk in transformation. Last scripture, we're going to wrap it up. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 16. He said, it's it, written. You're going to remember this first part. When it sounds familiar to you, say amen. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered the heart of a man the things which he has prepared for them that love him. Amen. Amen? Okay. It's going to get less and less familiar. It really is. But God has revealed him to us by his spirit. For the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. I can still get a lot of amens because we still know it's in context. For what man knows the things of man except the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knows no man but the spirit of God. Hmm, I didn't know this part of that verse. I heard it before. Well, verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of this world, but the spirit is which is from God, that we might know all things that are freely given to us by God. Hey, man, that sounds like Bible, but I, mean, I should have known it was in that eyes not seen, ears not heard. Which things also we speak, not in the words of man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things to spiritual things. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual does what? Judges everything. You can't judge me. I can't if I'm spiritual. Only God can judge me. Well, that's not the Bible. That's Tupac. Coffee was early albums where he got shot. He that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is not judged of any man. You know why that is? Because he that's spiritual has already judged himself. Folks, you get spiritual by judging yourself first, by saying, search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me. Know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way within me. It's pulling the plank out of your own eye first to become spiritual. That way, the spiritual can judge all things, but he don't have to be judged. Why? Because it's already been done. I found how empty and rotten that I was. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But you have the mind of Christ. What's the context? Well, eye has not seen, ears not heard, neither is in the heart of them that prepared for them that love him. Oh, but that don't apply to us. We can see those things. We can know those things. Why? Because we've got the mind of Christ. Right. So promise card Christianity, folks, doesn't bring the anointing. It's coming to the full loaf of that bread and hiding the word of God in our hearts so we don't stand against him and watching the transformation. The unction will bring a balance into your life. Yeah. It'll bring the power, but it'll also bring the fire. It'll bring the inspiration, but it'll also have information with it. Amen. Thank you guys for putting up with me just a little bit longer tonight. Let's pray.